Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. In this day where everyone celebrates chocolates and flowers, we have a God who blankets fields with flowers. And is sweeter than a honey in a honeycomb. He's radically in love with you. Radically in love with you. The ultimate romantic romances our hearts every single day. The ultimate Valentine. He would give up everything just to be with you and I. He's that amazing church. He loves us that much. The ultimate romantic, Jesus himself. Were you guys ready for the word today? Well, let's say hello to two or three people in your church family, and let's get ready. Amen? Well, if you haven't been with us, um, we've been talking about David going through the life of David for several weeks, several, several weeks. Last week was my least favorite story about David is when he uh, makes a big mistake and um, commits adultery with Bathsheba. And um, David had uh, a, a lot of wives and had seven wives, ten concubines. Then we see there after that, though, that his children for the next you know, years, you, you see it, you go through the story. We went through a lot of it last week, but um, how they're fussing and fighting amongst each other and even killing each other. And one of them wants to take over the kingdom. And then you continue reading on down to Solomon. And so David's, uh, he fell because of, uh, he couldn't keep his eye off of a woman. It was a woman. That was his problem. But then you see his son Solomon who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a thousand. A thousand. I mean, does it make any sense? No, it doesn't make any sense. But you see how the, the curse there followed for generations. But then we ended last Sunday showing and teaching how Jesus went to a cross and died. And part of that he absorbed on the cross was generational curse. You're not under a generational curse. Now you can believe a lie and you can live in it if you want to, but just the same way as you can believe a lie and you cannot accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you can go to hell if you want to. But the fact of the matter is He went to a cross and died for you so you could go to heaven, so you could enjoy life here on earth, not go limping into heaven, but go skipping in, excited and happy. You, are you following me? So thank the Lord that we're not under a generational curse. Jesus absorbed it. He took it on the cross. Amen. But we're not talking about David this morning. We're taking a, a break from that. And that wasn't my choice to take a break from it. That's just the way the Holy Spirit was leading me uh, Friday and Saturday. And I really wasn't sure what all we were going to get into. And to be honest with you, I'm still not. But ordinarily, we have, uh, I have an iPad and I, type, I touch buttons and words pop up on the screen for you to see. But we don't have that today because I didn't know what scripture I wanted to use. So they're going to follow along with me up there. Jackie is. That's her job. And she's going to follow along with me. But anyway, yesterday I got a text. Um, Patrick texted me. And uh, it's, 
it's interesting during the week how I'll get texts or phone calls or emails or see a sign or something on television and how little bitty things just come together and they just create a puzzle and the puzzle comes together on Sunday morning. Amen. The Lord works. He'll use anything. He'll use anybody. And um, I'm excited that somebody was thinking about the Word of God on a Saturday and not on Sunday. But we're talking about the 23rd Psalm. Let's read it real quick. 23rd Psalm. I'll give her a moment to get that up there. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. You know why? Because Jesus is goodness and He is mercy. And He is here. And He is here this morning. He'll never leave you nor never forsake you. You can't outrun Him. You can't get away from, me, from Him. Amen. But let's go back to the very first verse here. 23.1 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, who's the shepherd? The Lord. And I shall not want. And if He's a shepherd, who are you? A sheep. Sheep aren't smart. They're not. They need a shepherd. They wouldn't survive without the shepherd. They will not survive without the shepherd. Sheep are stupid. They do dumb things. They get into things. They also have wolves and lions and bears and uh, different things that try to eat them. And the shepherd is there to protect him, just like David was a shepherd, and he protected his sheep. In fact, when he goes to fight Goliath, his brothers are making fun of him, going, won't you go back and tend those few little sheep? But David's a type and shadow of Christ, because he's our shepherd, the good shepherd. Amen. But here's what we've got to not be confused about and not forget. The Lord is my shepherd, and if He is your shepherd, and if you'll not forget that He's your shepherd, and if you'll keep things in order, I shall not want. Why will you not want? Because He's going to provide for you what you need. He's going to take care of you. He's going to protect you. He's going to feed you. Did the sheep always know what the shepherd was going to do? No, because you take a sheep's... You can take that down. Because a sheep's... Uh, mind, a sheep's brain, a sheep's way of thinking and analyzing things or whatever it is that a sheep does, compared to a shepherd, there is no comparison. We're talking about a human being here who is very intelligent, who invents things and creates things and uh, is thinking about things other than your next meal. And that's what the sheep is totally uh, looking at the shepherd to provide, to lead and to guide. And we need to remember who we are. We're the sheep. Don't try to be the shepherd. Don't try to be your own shepherd. See, sometimes when the sun's shining and you're on top of the mountain and life's good, you'll want to be your own shepherd and you'll want to be in charge of you. And then you'll get in your own way. 
But don't get in your own way. Remember, no matter if you're on top of the mountain or down in the valley, if life's good and rosy or if life uh, is not going well and it seems like it won't quit raining and it's thundering and lightning and you just can't find shelter, regardless of whether you're, you're uh, living in abundance or living in lack, you just need to remember who the sheep is and who the shepherd is. Amen. Amen. That's good. And I'm glad he texted me that because I was... That went right in line with what I had been thinking about all day as I walked through the city of Franklin, Tennessee on a, a shopping trip. <laughs> Racing season's fixing to kick off for us, and baseball, last chance. So I said, well, I'm going to take my wife up there, go shopping. So we, we made a little trip. We went up there, and it was really, I think it's cold here, a few hours north. Boy, it's a lot colder. Man, it's a lot colder. But I'm with her. She shops till you drop. I'm talking about hardcore. I don't like going shopping with her. She's hardcore. She doesn't get cold when she shops. I mean, it don't affect her. I mean, she's, I mean, frostbite does not stand in her way. She's going, going, going. But as soon as the shopping day was over and we're in the truck heading home, she's like, I'm cold. Turn the heat up. And the heat was kicked up so high, I'm over there sweating, rolling down the window. Seriously. I'm thinking, you haven't said anything about being cold all day while we were shopping. And now you're freezing. It's amazing. But, um, probably didn't make a lot of sense to the children of Israel when they're out there and the cloud's there and it's there for a couple of days and it's providing cover, but then the cloud moves. Oh, here we go. We got to go. And then it stops and then it moves and then it stops. No rhyme or reason. They don't know. They, you know, why is it moving for a day, stopping for two days, moving for three days, stopping for 30 minutes, going again? They didn't know his ways and his thoughts are higher. All they knew is they got to move. I've got to go with this cloud. I'm not trying to figure out why the cloud, who, where, when, and why. I just know I've got to go. If it goes, I've got to go. And the cloud's a representation of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's sent to you and I to lead you and guide you every step of the way. And a lot of times you don't understand, it don't make sense. Don't try to make sense of everything. You're not God. You're just a sheep. Just follow it. Just go with it. Just let Him lead you. Let Him guide you. Amen? Amen. And sometimes the way He leads you is not always pleasant. Sometimes it looks like, why don't we go that way? It looks like free sailing, but he carries you down over here through a, a rougher terrain or something that's tougher, and it doesn't make sense to you. But you just better go with the cloud and go with the leading of the Lord. You better just follow the shepherd because he knows what he's doing because he knows the path that looks real easy and smooth right there. There's something up there waiting for you, and he's protecting you from it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, if you have your Bible or your tablet or your phone or whatever it is, let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter. And I don't think I can read the whole, I can read the whole chapter, but boy, that'd take a minute because it's a long one, 41 verses. But I'm going to read some of it. And I'll start um, in the... 
Third verse. Third verse, Mark 4 and the third verse. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and it was scorched, because it had no root and it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, yielded no crop. But other seeds fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30, some 60, and some 100. You notice here that the seed didn't change. The seed was the same. The seed was the same. Wherever the seed landed, it was the same seed. The farmer's using the seed. And he's spreading the seed. And some of it was stolen. And some of it was scorched. And some of it was strangled or choked. But it was stolen and scorched and strangled. But what the difference was, was the dirt. The dirt that it fell on. That's the difference. And he said to them... He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But then he's alone, and uh, he's there with the disciples, and he's alone with them, and um, they ask him to explain it to them. And he, uh, let's skip down to the 13th. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? In other words, all parables are hinging off this parable. If you can't understand this one, you won't understand any of them. And he's telling them, this is how the kingdom of God operates. And he says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan, uh, when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Then likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. And afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, wants to steal that word. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal the word. Because if you don't have the word, you don't have anything. The word's what you build your life on. The Word is what we stand on. The Word is what we build our family on, this church on. The Word is the most important thing in the universe. The Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the Word. But the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things entering in, choke out the Word, or I said strangle, choke it, strangle it, and it becomes unfruitful. But the ones... They're sown on the good ground. They hear the word. They accept it. They bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Now, let's see here. Um, in the 24th verse, he said, Take heed to what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Now you think about, for just a moment... The Sermon on the Mount. He comes down off the mount, the most 
spectacular, amazing, powerful sermon in the history of mankind. It's awesome. It's three chapters long. We quote scriptures from it, stand on scriptures from it. It's really good. A lot of scriptures we use from it, people may not even know that it came from the Sermon on the Mount. But when he gets finished, he says, you need to hear it and do it. Don't just hear it and don't just highlight it in your Bible and underline it, but you've got to do it. Don't just put it on your refrigerator with a magnet, but you've got to do it. You've got to be a hearer and a doer. Because if you're a hearer and not a doer, you're foolish and you're building your house on the sand. But right here he's saying, take heed to what you hear. Do it. Um, in the 26th verse, now this is the main part of the text I'm wanting to get to. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest shall come. Now backing up to the 26th. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. He's telling us this is the nature of the kingdom of God. This is, how, this is what the kingdom of God's like right here. And you can take it down. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And this is how our faith should be also. Instead of saying uh, the parable of the sower, because Jesus didn't say it's the parable of the sower. Man said it's a parable of the sower. It's more like the parable of the soils. It's the parable of the dirt. Has anybody in here ever done any dirt work? There's all types of dirt work you can do. You can dig ditches and you can grade and you can remove dirt, replace dirt, compact dirt. You can go out on a farm and you can plow, uh, bust, it, bust up hard dirt with a plow. You can disc. Uh, all types of dirt work you can do here. But we're talking about this morning dirt work. Dirt work. That's the title, dirt work. And if you're making notes, dirt work. Amen. It'll make sense shortly. The parable of the soil, or the parable of the dirt, the parable of your heart. See, the seed's the same, and there's always seed. There's always seed. The seed's always going forth. The seed hasn't gone anywhere. There's always going to be seed. And a lot of times we're saying, I wish God would speak to me. I wish I could hear Him. Well, the seed's always there. He's always speaking. The problem is, the reason we're not hearing Him because we, we're not shutting up long enough to hear Him. Amen. And we're distracted by other things in this world. The television and the radio and what they said at work and nosing in other people's business and people nosing up in your business and the list goes on and on. But He's never stopped speaking to you. He's always talking to you. He is willing to talk to you. All we've got to do is listen and get quiet. Be still. Be quiet. Know that I'm God. Amen. He came in the still small voice in the whisper. It wasn't in the fire and in the earthquake and all those things, but it was real quiet. Just a whisper. But you see here as we read this parable, it's the bird that snatched that seed up. That bird's a seed snatcher. A seed snatcher. And we have seed snatchers in our lives. I guarantee you, somebody in this room tomorrow morning, you're going to go to work, and somebody at work is going to be snatching your seed by, before 8 a.m. They will. 
They're going to be ugly and they're going to be mean and they're going to be rude and they're going to do something stupid that's going to make your life and your job harder and they're going to try to snatch that seed from you. But remember this, at work tomorrow, that person's really not trying to snatch your seed. Satan's using that person to snatch your seed. Don't get mad at the person. Look through them. Look beyond them. There's something behind them and it's called Satan. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. Amen? But they're seed snatchers. Seed snatchers. My uncle, Tony, used to call me a little crumb snatcher. I don't know why, but he'd get mad at me. He'd say, you little crumb snatcher? I don't know what that meant exactly. But, but there's a woman in the Bible trying to snatch a crumb. Wasn't there? Worked out good for her. But there's seed snatchers. What that little bird you see on the internet or on Facebook or on the computer, whatever, that little bird... Twitter. <laughs> snatch your seed. People on Facebook snatching your seed. Watching the news, they're going to snatch your seed. Somebody's going to snatch your seed. And then you got those that are seed, seed stashers. You know the word. You know it. Front to back, you know it. You've been sitting in church for years, highlighting, marking, taking notes. You got notes. You got seven Bibles. You got all this stuff. You got a library of books. You've read them all, but you're not a doer. You're just a hearer. And when you're just a hearer and not a doer, you're a seed stasher. Seeds aren't doing any good on the shelf. You will absolutely have to plant them. You're going to have to speak. You're going to have to speak the word over your life, over your children's life, over your husband, over your wife, over your church, over your friends, over your family. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to be a seed sower, not a seed stasher. Amen? People can have some conversations and you can find out they know the word of God. Just like the Pharisees in the Bible, they knew the Word. They were religious leaders. They knew it. They had it memorized. But they didn't know that the real Word, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was standing in front of them. They didn't even recognize Him. You know what's crazy is you look at them. They didn't know Him, but the demons did because it says the demons fled, trembled, shook, came out of people, went into pigs, drowned themselves in the water. The demons knew who Jesus were was. But the religious people didn't. You could look at them and say they were seed stashers. Seed stashers. Don't be a seed stasher. Don't just sit here. Be a hearer and a doer. A hearer and a doer. A hearer and a doer. I need to know more. I need to know more. I need to know more. You already know enough. Take what you do know and apply it. You know you're supposed to forgive people and you know you're not supposed to talk about people. Well, just pr- putting those two things into practice ought to keep us all busy for a while. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Do what you do know. You do it. You know it. You do it. You grow. Do, know, grow. Do, grew, and knew. That's bad grammar. But if you'll do what you knew, then they'll know why you grew. Do what you know, and then you'll grow. Do what you know. You know the Word, do the Word. Plant the seed. Put the seed in the dirt, and the dirt, let it do its work. Amen? Now, I said before about getting out of our own way, and... That's a problem. We do get in our own way. But uh, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. 
Now, I don't know what wise person said that, but that's a fact. Because I've had teachers in front of me my whole entire life, but it wasn't until I was ready did they appear to me. But when I was ready, they appeared, and I wanted to learn, and I wanted to hear, and I wanted to get in it, and I wanted to grow. And um, when you get ready, the teacher will appear. Amen? Well, guess why we got to get things in order. Get things in order. we got to get seed in the soil, not keep it on the shelf. So this parable has got a much deeper meaning uh, than just plant some seeds. Um, see, when Jesus is telling these guys, this is like the kingdom of God, this is a whole new concept to them. This is a whole new concept to the people he's talking to. That the kingdom of God is like that. And he's giving them an earthly il- illustration. So his, his earthly illustration of the kingdom of God, he didn't present it to look like Hawaii or like a trip to the beach or to Disney World or whatever it is that your favorite place is. But it was an agricultural lesson. He compared it to a farm. Seed. Seed. He said the kingdom of God is like a seed. Amen? And uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of times we, we, we think uh, it's insignificant because, um, you know, uh, maybe you just get to where you feel insignificant or what you're doing is insignificant. It just seems insignificant and it's invisible. You, you can't see it. it um, and you, you just kind of maybe sometimes feel ignorant. And... Um, once again, his ways and his thoughts are way higher than ours. And a lot of times I've met people that were very, very, very intelligent and they thought putting faith in the Word of God was ignorant because it's something that you can't see and it's something that you can't touch. And when you put the seed in the ground, you can't see it. I can't see what's going on under that dirt. I just got to trust that the dirt is working. Dirt work. Amen. And so we've started this men's Bible study and a women's Bible study. And it's so that you can learn more about the things of God. And you learn more and you grow more. Learn and grow. But in my life, I've noticed sometimes I don't feel like I'm growing. And maybe you don't feel like you're growing. But let me tell you, you don't need to go by feeling. It has nothing to do with a goosebump. Sometimes when you don't feel like you're growing at all, that's when you're growing the most. And when trials and tribulations and opportunities present themselves, how you handle it, that will, that will show you, that will show you how much you've grown. Or that will show you how much more you need to grow. You following me? It's like a test. Whether you studied and passed it or you need to go back and study and take the thing again. But what Jesus is talking about here is a deeper work. It's a deeper work than what you see on the surface. Anybody can go up and see a building, but it's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. There's more involved than that. It started in the dirt. It started as a foundation. And there's things that you and I can't see. Stages. There's stages. And it's the same thing with the kingdom of God. And the farmer doesn't know how. And that's what I want to get to this morning. The farmer doesn't know how. 
The farmer, he doesn't know how. He just puts the seed in the dirt and he covers it up and there's rain and there's sun, but he doesn't know how. And I think about how many times we sit in a church service and you hear an awesome message about forgiveness and how you need to forgive others. Or you hear an awesome message about tithing and that God's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you can't contain. You hear an awesome message about healing and you hear about speaking to the mountain, telling it to move and be cast into the sea and these things will be done for you. And you hear hear all kinds of sermons and they're awesome and you like them, but then you leave here and you go, how? But how? But I mean, really, how? I mean, I read the Word and the sermon was good and, he, and, and the Word says I need to forgive them and the Word says I'll be forgiven and I, I was kind of excited when I left and now I'm home and I'm sitting here and I'm wondering, how? 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 And it's okay to ask how. It's okay to ask how. Um, the farmer doesn't know, and I don't think you're always going to know. There's a lot of people that aren't going to know. There's a lot of things I don't know. Look at Jesus. He didn't pick professionals that knew everything. He picked a fisherman that didn't even hardly know how to catch any fish. He hadn't had any success. He hadn't caught anything. They fished all night, but that's who he picked. Jesus picked people like that. God picked Mary. The angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, Hey Mary, um, guess what's going to take place? You're going to become pregnant. You're going to carry the Son of God in your belly, the Savior of the whole world. He tells her that. You know what her first thing was? That She said how she responded. She said, How? Because she'd never known a man. But she said, How? People, Jesus didn't always pick people that's got it all together that knows how. And it's okay for you to not to know how. You don't have to know how. You just have to know who. Amen. Amen. I don't know how I'm going to come through it, but I know who is going to bring me through it. I may not necessarily know the way, but it's okay because I know the way maker. And He'll make a way even when everybody else says there is no way. It's not knowing how, it's knowing who. Amen? And growth is like that, not knowing how. We go out, we, we, we turn the dirt up, we get the dirt prepared, we uh, plow it, we sow seed, and now we wait for water, we wait for rain, we wait for the dirt to do its job, and you know what that's called? Faith. 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 And not getting things out of order, but to do things in order. Amen? It's a... It's being humble. Humble. Being humble. God likes you to be humble. To be meek. Not to be full of wisdom. That's why God used people like Peter. That's why God used people like the prostitute Rahab. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's okay not to know how. He never said know how. He said know who. Know who. A lot of people got here this morning in a car, and you really don't know how. I mean, you know you got in it, and you cranked it, and you put it in reverse, you backed up, you put it in D, and you drove here. You know that, but you really don't know how because you don't know anything at all about an engine or a transmission, how it works. People don't know anything about a crankshaft or, or a, a crank sensor or an O2 sensor or rods or pistons or rings or camshafts, or lifters, or push rods, or uh, valves, and intake 
compression stroke, uh, exhaust stroke, and the transmissions, and how, how it gets to the rear. You don't know that. You don't even care. You're just glad you got a car. <laughs> Amen. I have no idea how the computer works at all. I don't. But every week, not this week, but I use it. And it doesn't stop me from using it just because I don't know how. I use it. You know, antibiotics are kind of like that. You go to the doctor and he says, hey, take these antibiotics. And you take them, I don't feel a thing. Don't feel anything. And he says, take them until they're completely gone. But most people, you want a shot or you want something that's going to happen quick that you can feel. i got to have some good feeling now. Pain to go away now. Healing to come right now. I need it to be right now. But he says, take these antibiotics for 14 days and you start taking them. Well, there's something going on in there. But most of the time when I've taken them, and I still do it, even though I know you're not supposed to, and I'm preaching about it, but I'll take the antibiotics that I feel better, and I'm like, chunk them. <laughs> but you're supposed to keep taking them. You're supposed to keep taking them. No different than the Word of God. You put the Word of God in you. You don't quit putting it in you when you start feeling better. You don't quit putting it in you when your wife, you and your wife's getting along. You don't quit putting it in you when you get to raise at work and now we're a month ahead on our bills. You keep putting it in you. You keep putting it in you. You keep putting it in you. It's the only thing you can't OD on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, you don't have to turn here. I'm going here real quick. Proverbs 18, 20. I love this verse. Uh, starting in the 21st verse, actually. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. No, that's not it. I do like that one. <laughs> but the one I wanted to read to you is Proverbs 4:20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. He's talking about the Word of God. It's life to those who find it, but everybody's not going to find it. Everybody's not going to find it. And health to all their flesh. Now, you know what? In some translations it says uh, medicine to their flesh. In some translations it says healing to their bones. But the Word of God is health to your flesh, medicine to your body, healing to your bones. And so what you got to understand is you can't OD on it. You can't get too much. You just keep taking it and keep taking it and keep taking it. In fact, that's the only thing you can't OD on. Drinking too much water, you can die from drinking too much water. Water will kill you. Obviously, we know alcohol will kill you, and medicine from the doctor can be counterproductive if you don't take it properly. But the Word of God is the medicine that you can't have too much of. In fact, the more you take, the better you feel. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, I got on the scales last night. I got on the scales this morning. I weighed less this morning. I don't know how. I was asleep. <laughs> I didn't exercise. I didn't run. I didn't sweat or any, do anything. I just laid there perfectly still, resting, doing nothing, and I lost weight. The fact that I don't know how I lost weight didn't change the fact that I was rejoiced. But see, there's a, there, there's, there's a deeper meaning in that. It happened while I rested. While I rested. While I rested. Not while I was working, but while I rested. 
The victory came while I rested. That's why we're supposed to rest in Christ. You put the seed in the ground, the farmer goes in the house and he goes to bed and he don't know what's going on out there at night. He can't see in that dirt. Amen. He's just trusting that the dirt and has faith that the dirt is going to do its job. Don't try to understand everything. It's okay to say, how? I don't understand. But I'm just putting faith in this word. Regardless if I understand it or not, and regardless if things make sense to me, that doesn't change the fact that the word is true and it doesn't make it any less true. Amen. What you understand, I don't care what science proves. If they prove that the word's right, I don't care. I already knew it was. Amen. If they try to disprove it, don't care. Because it's right. I believe it already. No matter what you find or what you think or what you say, how much education you have. So you don't know. Well, when you don't know, just so. All he needs is your boat. Hey, Peter, uh, follow me. All I need is your obedience. All I need is your boat. And when you don't know, just so. And what I'm saying is just obey. Just be obedient. Just like the sheep to the shepherd don't know, but I'm following the shepherd. The children of Israel don't know, but we're following this cloud. Abraham was nice and comfy and everything was going good for him. And God said, time to move to a place you don't even know where you're going. And you don't know anybody when you get there because there's not anybody. But he obeyed. He was obedient. Man. Just to sow and go. All you got to do is sow. Sow, 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 and go and obey. And the dirt's always going to do its work. Amen. I've jotted down a handful of things this morning and we touch on a couple and add some things that's not jotted down. Praise the Lord. Life's going to have disappointments. And life's going to have some things where you just don't understand and life's going to have some troubles. And there's going to be insecurities. But you just have to remember... But who is the farmer and who is the seed? Because some people preach this parable as Jesus being the farmer, but Jesus is not the farmer. Jesus is the seed. You and I, we are the farmer. Jesus cannot be the farmer because it says the farmer doesn't know, and he definitely knows. But Jesus is the seed. He's the Word of God. The Word of God is the seed. Praise the Lord. So there's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be disappointments. There's going to be troubles. Things are coming. Because, um, well, let's look at Jesus. Did Jesus not have controversy? Did he not have resistance? Did, did he not face opposition? You're going to. You're going to. If you're any type of threat whatsoever at all, there's going to be opposition. If, you're, if life is rosy and everything's great, there's never any uh, resistance and there is never any controversy in your life, you need to stop and ask the question, am I doing what I'm called to be doing? 
Because if you're do doing what you're called to be doing and you're expanding the kingdom of God and you're sowing seeds and you're going where God tells you to go, there's going to be controversy and there's going to be resistance. Just like Jesus was resisted by the religious leaders of that day, they wanted Him to be crucified because He's coming and He's disrupting their whole way of doing things. But the disciples, Jesus started a movement. And His disciples didn't want Him to go to the cross. They didn't want Him to die because they saw Him dying, His death, as the movement itself that He started dying also. You see it? Of course they didn't want Him to die. Jesus has came, He's come, and He's a new way of doing things. It's called grace. And He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like, and He's teaching them, and He's so loving. And he's raising people from the dead. He's healing eyes and lame legs. And he's a friend to the sinner. And man, the list goes on and on. And he's using broken people that just don't know. And they don't want him, the movement to die. And Jesus is arrested. And, um, you know, Peter tries to stop him. He says, hold oh, no, on, no, 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 no. This has to happen. This has to happen. And he's arrested. And don't you know the Jewish people were getting excited? The Jewish religious people who wanted him to be crucified, they were getting excited. You know who else was getting excited? The devil and his demons. This is it. This is it. Friday's here. And Jesus is being arrested. He's being wrongfully accused. They're plucking out his beard. They're punching him in the face. They're spitting in his face. Now they've stripped him down naked. They've driven him out to a whipping post and they're beating him. Don't you know that Satan and all his demons, all of hell was rejoicing because this is it. Friday's here. Defeat. We're going to be victorious. The Jewish people are like, yes, finally things will go back to business as usual because it was a profitable business for a lot of them. And this movement is going to be stopped. And then Jesus is nailed to the cross. But before that, he goes up to Pilate, and Pilate's there, and Barabbas is there. And in other words, Jesus absorbed and took on all the accusations on himself. I'm sure his disciples were saying, I wish he would speak up and say that he's innocent, or if we were given the opportunity to speak up on his behalf, that he is completely innocent. But Jesus went to uh, the shears like a lamb to the shears, silent. He didn't say a word. He let them accuse him so that your father wouldn't accuse you. He took Barabbas' place. Do you understand? Barabbas represents you and I. He, was, he deserved death, but he was turned free and Jesus took his place. So the cuffs were literally taken off Barabbas, a criminal, and taken off of him and put on Jesus. Jesus took his place so he could go free. And we kind of represented that last week with the handcuffs up here with Mark and Fumi, if y'all remember. That we're not no longer prisoners of sin, but we're prisoners of righteousness. Amen. See, they didn't know Sunday was coming, did they? They didn't know Sunday was coming. They were rejoicing on Friday, but they didn't know Sunday was coming. So they were rejoicing when Jesus was buried. Buried in the ground. Buried in the ground. But see, let's reflect back to the parable of the sower or the parable of the soil. You can say Jesus was buried... Or you can say Jesus was planted. 
So I think that's why he taught them the parable. And that's why he went into the dirt. That's why he stayed in the ground for three days because some things had to take place while he was in the ground. And anytime you plant a seed, you can expect the harvest. And Jesus was the harvest. That's why he's the firstborn of many brethren. See, it was an agricultural lesson. Jesus wasn't buried. Jesus was planted. Praise the Lord. And he rose again. He was resurrected. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. Praise the Lord. And the harvest is his. And the seed's ours to sow. And the harvest is his. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Word's always going to accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. The Word goes forth. It never returns void. It always accomplishes what it was sent forth to accomplish. That's already been forever settled in heaven. The throne of God, it's already been settled. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's going to be seasons in your life of failure. There's going to be seasons of life... Of disappointment. There's going to be seasons in life that you just don't understand. But during this season, let me tell you, you just got to let the dirt do its work. Dirt work. Let the dirt do its work. Don't go digging the seed up. Don't quit sowing seed or quit going. Don't quit sowing and going because of disappointment. Don't quit going because of failure. Don't quit going and sowing because you just don't understand. Amen? I don't know how. I don't know how. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. I don't know how. Will it be manna from heaven? Will He pour out manna from heaven? I don't know. I don't know how. Will He feed me with the widow of Zarephath? Will she feed me? Will she make me a cake? Or will He feed me down by the brook with a raven come and feed me? Or will it be a little boy's lunch that will feed... The multitude. Because he said, hey guys, disciples, come here, gather together. See all these people? We can't send them away. We got to feed them. And they said, how? He fed them with a little boy's lunch. Maybe he'll take care of your problem with a little boy's lunch. It's not for us to figure out how. It's just, just to know who. And have faith in who. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Obedience is our job. The outcome's His. A lot of things don't make sense. Look at this Red Sea. Turn around and look behind you. There's a bunch of Egyptians coming to kill you. It doesn't look good. Hold up your staff. We sure are thirsty out here. Well, take that staff and go over and hit that rock. We're slaves. We've been in bondage for 400 years. Okay, we'll kill a lamb, take a, a, a hyssop branch, dip it in the blood, apply it to the doorpost of your house, and go to bed. I don't know how, but I know who. The Jordan River is at flood stage, and everything that we've been promised is over there on the other side of the river. What are we going to do? Well, roll up your pants legs, get your priest, uh, get the Ark of the Covenant, and just wait out there in that water. And watch the water go down 20 miles upstream. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't know how, but I know who. 
See these walls? They're mighty big. Just go march around them. Just march around them. Now keep marching. Stop now. Now march a little longer. Okay, now shout. I don't know how, but I know who. Praise the Lord. I'm just preaching myself happy now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Satan wants to steal your seed. You can't get things out of order. The harvest doesn't come before the seed. It says he takes his sickle. When the harvest is ready, he goes out there and he he collects the harvest. He collects the harvest. That's why you got to get things in order. Things in order. You don't sit down and pay all your bills and then see if you have enough money left over for God. That's out of order. That's out of order. I don't have enough, and you never will until you get things in order. You have to get things in order. Sex before marriage is out of order. You have to get things in order. You want God to bless your marriage, to bless your relationship, get things in order. And I'll just put it in part for just a moment, ladies. You have a yard and he has a yard. And if your yard is separating his yard from a three-foot tall chain link fence, he'll hop over that fence anytime he feels like it. Then he'll hop right back over to his yard. You've got to build a wall that's really tall with razor wire around it. And after he works at getting over that wall for a long time, when he finally gets over there and he's going to be cut up from that razor wire, he'll stay there. That's not in the Bible. That's just radology. <laughs> Are you in a situation that you just saying, I just don't know how? I just don't know how. I just don't know how. I want to leave you with that thought for just a moment while our praise and worship team comes up. Do you remember the story in the Bible where there's two men praying? There's one that humbled himself. He said, Lord, I'm just a dreadful old sinner. I've made mistakes. I made. I've failed so bad. Lord, just have mercy on me. And he's just. He's just honest. He's not prideful. He's humble. But then right over beside him is a religious man who's full of pride. He says, "Lord, thank you that I'm not like that guy." And I tell you that story, and that's. Totally just paraphrasing it. But that's what you and I need to do. I'm in a situation and I just don't know how. Well, just humble yourself and come before the Lord. Not proud. Not in pride. 
Just remember that Christ was planted and he was resurrected. And resurrection was not an event, but he is the resurrection. The word of God, he tells us, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And maybe you've sown some seeds or maybe you need to get some seeds sown. But either way, you know, you just feel like you've been in the dirt for a while. Just feel like you've been in the dirt for a while. You just said, I don't know how. Well, I'm just here bringing you a message this morning that was not part of our regularly, regular scheduled series. But it's okay not to know how. You just got to know who. You got to sow when he says sow, and you got to go when he says go. And you just got to put that seed in the dirt. And you just rest. You just rest. You just rest. See, it says that the Word of God, we read it, that there's going to be some weeds grow up. There's going to be some things grow up in there and try to choke out the seed. That's the world. That's the world. And there's going to be birds that come and try to steal the seed and the sun is going to try to scorch it. We've got to get our hearts right, our soil right, put the seed in there, and then rest. I'm telling you, just rest. Just go to bed and just rest. You'll lose weight while you're sleeping. God's working. Y'all are not both working. You're resting while He's working. See, it's not up to you and I to do the dirt's work. It's not up to you and I to be the shepherd. But we're just sheep. We're just sowing seed. Amen. Praise the Lord. We enter into His gates with thanksgiving and praise. That's why we do praise and worship on Sunday morning. We're entering His gates with thanksgiving and praise. And maybe you've been in the dirt a while, and maybe things aren't going exactly the way that you would like for them to go in your marriage or your finances or your health or whatever it is. But I was just thinking as we were singing about entering into His gates with thanksgiving and praise, and I was just thinking, thank God I'm in America. Thank God I'm not in another country hiding in a basement this morning, singing real low so that nobody catches me and kills me, chops my head off or throws me in prison. Thank God I'm here. That's something to praise about. That's something to be thankful about. Thank God that I'm not laying flat on my back down there at one of those hospitals fighting for my life, but I'm right here walking and talking and healthy. And now there's still life in me and there's still life in you. We've got a lot to be praising about. We've got so much to be thankful about. Amen. They didn't shout after the walls fell. They shouted before the walls fell. Praise the Lord. We're sowing seeds. We know the harvest is coming. Go ahead and get the combine ready. Because there's going to be a whole lot of corn we got to gather up. Because we sowed the seed. I don't know how it's working in the dirt. But I know who. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up.